Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, rock stars? It's Matt Johnson. We're back again, and we're talking about long-term marketing strategy and why winning in today's marketplace has really come back full circle to your brand. And we're talking with agency owner Frank Cowell. He is uh, the founder of originally what was known as Elevator Agency. It's now uh, combined with another San Diego marketing agency to form Digitopia. And so now Frank is the CEO of that company. He's also a speaker and author, and he trains and mentors other agency owners like myself uh, to to, to emulate some of the things that they are doing. And so I, I love this conversation with Frank for a lot of reasons, but let me give you some of the reasons that I loved it and I think you'll get some, a lot of value out of it. So he, he really puts his finger right on the problem that a lot of us deal with when we are coaching, consulting, or leading a client through any sort of marketing strategy. So this applies to anyone that's in the audience here for the UX podcast, because all of us are leading clients to grow their business and we're recommending certain strategies. And almost all the time, those strategies, those strategies are not quick hit, easy come. They're not just hacks that get you a bunch of results overnight. In fact, the best results don't come from quick hacks and they don't come from overnight. They come from long-term thinking, right? Which is why most other people don't do them, which is why the long-term thinking is a massive, massive competitive advantage. And so if you're in the business of helping people grow their business and you're up from the outside looking in, trying to get them to do something that requires long-term thinking, man alive, this is the episode for you. Because Frank is killer at this. And he, he, like I said, he puts his finger right on it, which is one of the hardest things that we have to do is help walk people through the period of negative ROI right? The period where in Frank's words, you, you're putting in a, you know, a high level of quality, you're putting in a high level of effort and a high level of consistency, but you have not seen the returns come in yet, right? And this is the same thing that we go through anytime we install a new diet or a new workout regimen or whatever. This is just a law of nature, basically. Like there's going to be a time when we put in a lot of effort, but we don't see the results of that effort yet. And the hardest thing for us to do sometimes is to get other people to trust us through that phase. And it's what Frank calls kind of the negative ROI phase. So he talks about how do you lead clients through that? How do you get them to see that, expect it up front, know that it's coming, trust us to lead them through it so that out the other side, they come out with a brand that is a premium brand that they can monetize and it starts to take on a life of its own where it makes everything easier from that point on. So we also talk about why most of us are selling the wrong thing, right? We're not selling the concept of the, or the problem that we solve. We're selling the deliverable, right? We're selling the thing that we do. And so he, that creates all sorts of problems. So not only do we need to sell them on the concept of the thing that we're solving, but we also need to think of ourselves in that same way. And he gives a great example of why Kodak should have invented Instagram, right? If Kodak really knew what business it was in, it would have already been looking to those things uh, from, the, from the dawn of the internet, essentially. And uh, they overlooked a massive opportunity and somebody else came and filled that hole in the market that they should have been filling. And so the more that we can focus on the concept or the problem that we solve and less on the deliverable, the more that we can take responsibility for those results and the more flexible we 
we can be that as technology changes, we know exactly what problem that we solve and we know the business that we are really in and we can build a brand around that and the deliverables will change over time right? The deliverables of what we actually sell might change over time. In fact, they probably will and they should as technology changes. So we need to build a brand that means something in our market and then build all, like pour all of our equity into that brand. And that's what he talks about when it's coming full circle. And so this is a phenomenal conversation. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I know you will too. So again, this is Frank Cowell, the founder and CEO of Digitopia. So let's jump in with Frank. All right, Frank Cal, officially welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's good to be here. I, I, I agree. I'm, so, I'm really pumped to talk to you because we're going to talk about being hyper-specific and there's a, there's a whole bunch of questions I could ask you. I'm going to restrain myself and only ask a few so that we actually follow through and have an interview and a conversation that's also hyper-specific and focused. Uh, and so there's a few things that I want to get into. And you just went through a merger. So tell people just a little bit as the business stands now what your role is and what the team structure looks like. Yeah, so in the uh, merger, I am CEO of the corporation. And in that role, my job is to serve three audiences. Uh, first, the employees, uh, second, clients, and third, shareholders. And so my job is to bring value to all three of those audiences and making sure that um, it comes from a place of service, right? Like yeah. kind of thinking of myself as a servant and uh that really drives how I approach those three audiences. And I gave those in a very specific order, employees, clients, then shareholders. And it's my belief that, you know, if I can make my employees successful and bring them value, then by default, they'll make our clients successful and bring them value. That job becomes easier, mm -hmm. which then makes the job of producing profit and bringing value to shareholders easier as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's a balance, right? Sometimes a decision might have to be made to, you know, prioritize a client over profit or an employee situation. And sometimes an employee situation will have to uh, take priority over uh, a client situation. So it's, a, it's definitely a balancing act. But uh, I'm really thrilled that I get to be in that role of serving those audiences and going and really moving from a mindset of being on, an entrepreneur to having a job as CEO. Mm. Uh, I'm, in an, I'm in an organization called Entrepreneur's Organization, and it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my career in terms of personal growth. Uh, I will say, however, I think for me, and I'm only speaking for myself, the idea of entrepreneur is not very fitting for me. And the reason I say that is because the idea of the entrepreneur is very much about uh, the creative genius who is the gunslinger, who is the person with the Midas touch. Right. And there's so much emphasis on uh, the success of an organization that's entrepreneurial, living and dying by, you know, the capability of that entrepreneur. When yeah. in reality, it's actually less about the entrepreneur. That person's probably not as important as they're made out to be. And so in this transition, I've really shifted into having a job hmm. and I'm finding myself being more fulfilled and bringing more value to those audiences than I ever have. Uh, and I'm enjoying what I do more than I ever have. <clears throat> so the job of CEO is one that is, is really important. It has very specific um, responsibilities, has very specific outcomes. 
uh, and it brings a lot of clarity rather than being the gunslinging entrepreneur who gets to come up with a creative idea and then, you know, just infuse it into the organization at whim. Mm. Uh, it's, much, it's a much more methodical way of going about handling the business. Yeah, and and that's part. It's it's very much part of kind of the natural life cycle of a business that every business typically goes through. That where you, um, and part of that is that you take the natural genius of the entrepreneur, and the, the entrepreneur has to figure out how to instill that into systems and processes. And and you mentioned it before we started hitting record. Uh, that you're part of the you've installed the entrepreneurial operating system, which you know if anybody's listening to this podcast, they know that from Traction and Gina Wickman, all that good stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, it, it's it's taking your genius and your ability, what, whatever your unique skills and abilities are that the business used to be based on, and getting those into other people and into systems and processes. I mean, that's literally what the podcast is all about. It's 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 probably the hardest thing for a, for an entrepreneur, especially someone that really enjoys the gunslinging part. That's an incredibly difficult transition. I don't know how long ago it was for you that you felt like you made that, but that to me, that transition is really interesting. Yeah, it's been happening over the past couple of years as we've been on EOS. Mm -hmm. I've noticed a massive shift now that we've done the merger and the company doubling in size, my leadership team doubling in size. There's been a massive shift in the efficacy. So, you know, I end up uh, I end up coaching a number of other agency owners and, and professional service people, uh, entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I've been teaching them is that you know, we're going to talk about instilling things like EOS and profit first and all of these things into your business, but just know at your size, um, we're doing those because they're foundational. There isn't a lot of direct fruit from that. That's, that's big. Yeah. The, the fruit at the, the, the small size or at, at the initial stage is going to come from uh, selling and delivering like mad people <laughs> selling and delivering. <laughs> Uh, and being obsessed with those things. Those are yeah. your biggest levers. And so now what I'm seeing that's really exciting is now that the company has doubled in size, the, the same effort I had with EOS, right? I, I'm not necessarily working more hours. The same effort is bearing a lot more fruit because mm -hmm. the lever is just bigger. Yeah. I'm going through the same actions, but the lever is bigger. And then, of course, with refining my focus and having the job of CEO also is bearing more fruit and fulfillment. So it's been it's been pretty cool to see that happen. Yeah, which is that's awesome. That's actually something that I would love to get into a little bit um, because the same process that you talked about going through with agency owners or anyone that runs a professional service installing a system that builds this incredibly strong foundation for the future where, you know, the fruits of that are not going to come for 12 to 18 months maybe even longer. But I mean, they'll start to see really good results in that time frame. So you know that going in because you've done it, you've been there. And, and this is the exact same process we, a lot of times we go through as marketers with clients. We know what the time frames are. The clients don't unless we make it really clear. And, uh, and so I want to, if you could, if you would share a little bit about just how you help people bridge that gap in their belief system and in their patience to the point where they're willing to put in the effort to build that foundation, knowing that the results are not going to come for 12 to 18 months or longer. How do you get people to hang in there? So there's, I'll answer that from two spectrums or for two, from two angles, one people that I coach and two clients, my agency works with. So when I, uh, when I coach people, 
I'm very clear up front the value proposition that I'm bringing actually isn't this like massive increase in profit and revenue within 90, 180 days. The biggest value proposition I'm going to bring to these people is sanity and clarity. Mm-hmm. Because what I find is most people in that initial phase, there isn't a lot of sanity and there isn't a lot of clarity because it's overwhelming. You know, they're, they're, what they're trying to do is overwhelming and there's not enough revenue, there's not enough profit. But if they just simply had a better lens on where they're at in their journey and what things they need to focus on, um, that'll help clear things up and allow them to approach that initial phase, which is just a ton of hard work with, with a different lens. And so they can start to appreciate it. They can start to make better decisions. They can start to bring better energy to their team. And so that sanity and clarity is really important. And so the way I do that is from the very beginning is making that very clear that uh, what we're going to go through and that this is not magic pill overnight results kind of stuff. Yeah. On the client side, we're also very clear about that. I mean, one of the things I've been preaching heavily lately is that we just live in a world today where uh, saturation and commoditization are at an all-time high and there's no sign of it decreasing at any point in the foreseeable future. And so as a result, our buyers in any given industry in any given model have way more options than they need. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if we want to win in today's marketplace, it's come full circle back to brand. So our job as is organizations, if we want to continue to grow and, and build up that, um, our marketing prowess to start to, to have it be the engine for growth. It has to be done through brand. And uh, that's a very long-term kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I often talk to, to prospects about this idea of, you know, what is the ROI on marketing? And I go through this whole sketch where, you know, we, we show how uh, on one axis there's effort and on the other axis there's uh, the X axis, there's long-term time. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is, you know, years. And the interesting thing about marketing is that if you were to track the ROI on that graph with high effort, that's consistent. <clears throat> your ROI is going to be negative, even with high effort and high quality and consistency over time, you're going to be negative. And when you're finally consistent with it for a long enough period of time, the ROI eventually crosses a threshold. Okay. And you start to become more and more ROI positive on those activities. Because what what happens is in that ROI negative period, you're building foundation, you're building infrastructure, but more importantly, you're building brand. And that takes time. And so there's this pie-shaped area that is all negative. And and this triangle-shaped area that's all negative. And the thing that people don't understand when it comes to investing in their brand, in their marketing, is that there's this period that exists that is ROI negative and you cannot escape it, yeah. period. You can't go hire another better agency. You can't go hire a better employee. You can't figure out the latest SEO hack and trick. You're just going to have to go through that period of building brand and it is ROI negative, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. It's the investment to the, uh, the, the mirror side of that, which is the other triangle that is ROI positive and continues to grow at massive scale. But if you never put in the effort to go through that negative period, you'll never get to the other side. 
which is where brand starts working for you, where the ROI starts becoming massively big, where all of a sudden you can drive premium because of brand and positioning. Uh, and really, this is like anything in life. Like imagine if you were to apply that same exact graph and that same exact lens to uh, the, the goal of getting sexy, right? Mm. Let's say you're out of shape and your goal is to get sexy. Okay. Like, could you imagine going to the gym in a half-assed manner and in 90 days wondering why you don't look sexy? Like, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way, right? Like, yeah. instead, here's what actually happens. You get up at 5 a.m., you do it every day for three months. At the three, end of three months, you're just sore, tired, and pissed. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you're still not sexy. And you've right. been working at it like a mad person for three months. That's what yep. you do for six months. And you might, your clothes might feel better. Mm-hmm. But it isn't until you do it consistently and make it a habit in your lifestyle that one year, two years later, you feel good, you look good, and now it's no longer about what other people think. It's about what you know. Yeah. And that, that same exact thing applies to marketing, right? You're yeah. going to do it into where all of a sudden it becomes an organizational habit. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem that one of the things that we look for is we look for organizations as, if, if they don't buy into the idea that marketing and building brand needs to be an organizational habit, that's a red flag for us. Yeah. Because then that means they're looking to hire us and in 90 days is the cash register ringing. Yep. And marketing doesn't work that way. Getting sexy doesn't work that way. And nothing works that way. Yeah. No, nothing that has long lasting effects. Like you talked about, you just briefly alluded to the fact that once you get there, you can drive premium, right? So in other words, you can go up market and, and the marketing starts to work for you and you start to be able to capitalize and cash in on the brand. And everybody wants to get to that point and they look at the market leader or they look at market leaders in other categories and they go, oh, I want that. Awesome are you willing to put in the work to get there, right? And most of the time, you know, at least a good chunk of the time, the answer is no, if they were to really sit down and honestly evaluate it. And so I love that, the fact that you sort out the people that are looking for the results quickly because that automatically tells you they don't have a long-term mindset and they probably are not gonna hang in through effectively what Seth Godin calls the dip, right? Which applies to almost everything. They're not going to hang in there with you through the dip until they start to get the results that they claim they want. And that's the toughest thing for anyone that provides a professional service that takes that, that slow burn, but then gets like exponential huge results on the other side. It's getting people through that dip. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the toughest, our toughest challenge as marketers or as let's say business coaches is to help people get through that point and, and help and lead them even kicking and screaming sometimes to the point where they get through that, that point. I think that here's the, here's the, the massive difference when selling pro services, whether it's coaching, whether it's marketing, whether it's PR, whatever, CPA firm, whatever. If you're selling pro services, here's the thing. I find most people are selling the wrong thing, right? They're selling their line items. They're selling their service offering, the, the hands rather than selling the concept of what they do. Okay. And asking the client to articulate, why uh, they want that outcome, why, why they're ready for that outcome. Because if they're, if they're truly fed up, if they're truly ready for a change in how they approach this, uh, then that means they have to buy into the fact that this is a lifestyle choice. Now, this is, this is a habit. This is not a campaign that we spin up for 90 days and, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And so I think that conversation at the very beginning needs to change if, if someone wants to be successful at selling pro services. Yeah. And the, and the other tough thing about it is it goes back to how, how you sell and how you bring your clients in. 
So you guys do a lot of work in packaged consumer goods. And that to me, that's tangible and you can see the effect of brand, right? It's a lot easier for, for people to understand the effects of a brand when we're talking about Tide or Crest. When we get into like the, the intangible world of professional services is all up here in our heads and it's harder to visualize the effect, but the effect is the same. So can you talk a little bit about the, how, do you, how do you talk to clients and how do you help them understand the link between being hyper-specific and their brand and why they have to, like why you can't have a brand and not be hyper-specific? Yeah, so I would almost say that tangible goods sometimes have a harder time understanding brand because the traditional view of brand is what they're holding on to, which is about like, you know, logos and wraps and commercials and ads and whatnot. So their okay. traditional view of brand, um, it's their idea of brand is, it's, it's outdated. Huh. Okay. Right? So I would say sometimes they, they have a harder time. Whereas if you go to, and we also service a lot of B2B clients. If you go to those companies, they fully understand like the only way to create brand is by marketplace engagement through content and positioning and mm. education. So they already know that that's how brand is created. Mm. And so they're a little bit more prone to buying into this idea of content and media needs to be a critical part of how you build brand today. Um, so, so that's kind of our, our approach mm. there is that uh, oftentimes for product-based companies, they infuse their product too much in how they build brand. Like everything like tries to tie back to the skew as opposed to like, what's the higher, what's the bigger concept of what you do mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with like to where your product shrinks, like your product shrinks oh. in the mind because your concept is what drives the organization. And by the way, now your product that's such a big deal happens to just be what you're doing right now. And now you have a way to evolve under this umbrella. Mm -hmm. that that serves a bigger concept you know i think about a company like kodak who in the in the recent past uh went through restructuring bankruptcy and and uh you know they just kind of were not the same company that that we grew up to recognize them as and i remember hearing that news thinking wow like such an iconic brand and you know just like not making it is kind of crazy, you know? So the, this idea of too big to fail just didn't apply to them. And I thought a lot about this, the concept of their business, which I call a mental model. Mental model is how you complete the sentence we are in the business of and how you complete that sentence should be conceptual and not medium based, not thing based. Mm -hmm. You know, if we think about a company like Kodak, you know, they were probably in the business of film or some other media. Mm -hmm. Instead, they should have been in the business of life's memories. Mm -hmm. So those are like two radically different businesses. In fact, had they understood what business they really were in, they should have been the ones to invent Instagram or Facebook. Right. Because what, what's happening on those platforms, it's where we go to share moments, life's moments. It's where we go to share those things and preserve those things. So hmm. they didn't know what business they were in. And that to me is what's really critical to nail is to what is the concept of your business, not what is the product of your business. You know, create, create a concept so inspiring that the product shrinks and now becomes one of many things you could be doing under this umbrella and serving that audience in a way that nobody else is serving. Love it. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, and I, I can't agree more. It's, it's hard to express... Um, there, because there's so many different rabbit trails I could potentially go down, which I'm not going to. Uh, so let's do this. Um, there's a couple things I want to finish out with before we get to that. Just tell people how they can connect and learn more about what you guys do and, and tell people kind of what the ideal client is for you guys. 
So at Frank Cowell uh, is where you can reach me on places like Instagram, Twitter, but I'm not really on Twitter all that much. YouTube, <laughs> YouTube channel, right? You can just also email me. Would love direct emails. Frank at elevatoragency.com. Uh, get in touch with me there. Uh, FrankCowell.com goes to uh, where my latest blog and videos live. Um, and as far as the kind of clients we're looking for, right now we're really uh, pushing into it. We serve a number of audiences, but where we're really pushing into, and I think we've got some really great expertise, is in uh, natural, wellness, wholesome, CPG brands, consumer packaged goods, mm-hmm. and specifically helping them develop their digital marketing ecosystem. So that way they can build audiences rather than just doing, you know, a one-way product-based messages, but yeah. really developing an ecosystem that, that creates uh, two-way audience communication, brand building, audience building uh, through digital, through content. Excellent. Well, I want to take it because we went really, really big picture for a second. I want to get back um to kind of the, uh, the, the entrepreneurial stage and how to kind of cross that chasm a little bit because you've been down that, that journey that a lot of other people are on. Um, what do you feel like was those, just those really small handful of unique skills and abilities that you had that the, the agency kind of used to be based around that now you've had to get those kind of off your plate into other people or into systems? What, what was the original, like what was the agency originally kind of based around? What skill set was that? Yeah, so we've always done digital-based, marketing-based kind of stuff, you know, whether it was web development in the beginning to then becoming more, more of a full-service creative agency and then coming full circle back to our digital, digital roots. It's always kind of been in that creative digital services arena. But I would say, you know, the juice that I brought that was infused into the company for many, many years was really all around direction, concept of what we're selling and delivering. And I would say that I drive that now at a high, high level, but the, the, how that gets implemented, the team you know, has way more input now than what used to happen. You know, I would define the what and the how before, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. When, it came to, when it came to an offering. And now it's, it's more so about the how and, um, and let, about the what, letting the team help define the how. Also just expanding uh, the leadership team and making sure everyone has their own lanes and their own roles and, and letting them own those things. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's been it, the biggest transformation is in letting go and realizing there's really only a couple of things that one does well and yeah. figuring out how to infuse those into the role and doing those things and then letting, letting people do what they do. I think so much entrepreneurs feel like, you know, how they want it done needs to be stamped on almost everything in the business. At the end of the day, it actually doesn't, doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There's only a few things that matter. And, uh, and, and even aside from all that, the, the thing that trumps all of those is execution, hmm. right? Like even a mediocre idea can grow a massively large business if it's executed well. And I think there's so much emphasis placed on whether it's the right idea you know, the right creative output, the, the right thing. It's like, eh, you know, just execute like, like crazy people. Just execute like so freaking well that like it's going to be better than someone with a great idea that kind of only half-asses their execution, which is what most organizations do, by the way. Yeah. 
It's hard. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's hard not to, uh, especially in bigger organizations, like just the law of averages. Um, And yeah, it's interesting because I think you just from what I've observed, probably have uh, the skill set that Dan Dan Sullivan would call putting concepts together, which I think Dan Sullivan himself says that's a, a big part of his success. And, um, I don't know if you've intentionally, I, I think people like that tend to draw other people cause you, you're an idea person, you're a conceptual person. And if you really connect with someone, you tend to connect with other people that are like that. So I don't know if you had to go out and intentionally find other people in your agency, but I imagine your agency in order to do what you wanted to do and you're not being involved in the client engagement all the time, there has to be people underneath you that share that same strength. Otherwise the agency would lose its secret sauce effectively. Yeah, to a degree, right? Like I, I go back to the idea of execution. You know, a company doesn't need to be filled with like 800 idea people. They just need a couple of idea people that uh, make sure that the idea is aligned with uh, the vision of the company, the, the passion of the company. And then here's the most important part, know how to articulate it and put it in play within the company that gets everyone excited and understood and clear on that message. Like like that's really where a lot of ideas fail is it's not articulated clearly. It's not connected to the employee base to where they understand why and what, how, what it means to them. And then the next part is there's a lack of someone driving execution. So like ideas are great and all, but they're shit without execution. Mm. And, and this is a constantly what I, what I tell clients is uh, we're not trying to like come up with the best design, the best copy anyone's ever seen, the, the best idea anyone's ever seen. We want just a, a really good idea and then execute the hell out of it. Mm. Like that's, that's what matters. Yeah. Really? Like it's, and, and I think if, if more entrepreneurs, more CEOs, more leadership teams adopted that, then website redesign projects wouldn't take, you know, 16 months and logo design <laughs> projects wouldn't take six months. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the emphasis is on all the wrong things because mm. we think these, like there's some sort of like place of paradise when it comes to these projects in terms of their representation that is going to make or break it. And it's, it's not. It, what mm. matters is the ongoing hand-to-hand execution. Are you engaging the marketplace? Are you delivering that message clearly? Are you consistent with it? Is your team living it and breathing it? Are you delighting clients? Yeah. Like that's what matters. And then it's the job of the idea people to think about their concept of the business and what's next, mm-hmm. right? They can think about what's next and then start engaging the team to figure out, okay, what's the, what's the next offering? What's the evolution of our offering um, based around our concept? But the yeah. offering we have, we just, we have to execute the hell out of it, plain yeah. and simple. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, that's exactly what my, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the same way in my agency. That's the, I think that's our secret sauce is just relentless, you know, ruthless week after week after week execution, which most people struggle with that. That's definitely a, um, a strength that I discovered. And then I built the agency around that strength and then attracted other people who had that same strength. And so definitely something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is finding the people that can reinforce and take over their strengths for them and, and transmit the things that they're good at in, their, in themselves as the, as the entrepreneur and translate that into the people that they surround themselves with and the systems that, that are kind of baked into the business. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes just, you know, a, a leader who's very effective 
at communicating and reinforcing those messages and those values because if yeah. it doesn't buy into it, mm-hmm. it's not going there. It's yeah, it reminds me of a quote. I can't remember. Somebody brought it up again here recently. Something to the effect of, if you don't feel like you're repeating yourself to the point of absurdity, you're probably just not communicating it enough in whatever message, but especially in leadership to either employees or to clients. If we don't feel like we're beating people over the heads with the message, it's we're just not saying it enough. Yeah, then no one will, no one will remember it. Everyone has to walk in and understand exactly what we're about, what yeah. we're doing, why we're doing it. It yeah. has to be crystal clear. Well, I want to honor your time because I could go for a long time. We could talk about a whole bunch of stuff and I have a thousand other questions I could ask you, but I won't. So I appreciate it, Frank. This is a, this is a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's been, been a pleasure. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. That is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.